Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. Now, I was chatting to Megan O'Neill. She's the Irish mum working on the OnlyFans site. And she was telling me last week about how she's one of their top earners. You know, it's not a shameful thing to be involved in the industry. And people will put the question to me and say, you know, what if your daughter or your son wants to go into it? And I'm sitting here going, we're here for a very, very short time. You know, I think everybody gets really caught up in this we're never going to die thing. And it's like, we are someday not going to be here. You know, in a hundred years, people aren't going to care that I was on OnlyFans. It's not, you don't go into it willy-nilly. You have to know where you're coming from. Mm. You have to know what to expect. And if you can deal with that, then absolutely go for it. But if you have any doubt in your mind, for anybody, my kids or anybody else, do not do it. And after the interview, one listener, Mia, got in contact with us um, because, Mia, you were involved in the sex trade in Ireland and you told me that you think conversations like this one actually glamorise sex work. Why is that? Yeah, and I'm not in any way criticising Megan or anything she's doing or anything like that. What I'm criticising is the system that is OnlyFans, the system that is prostitution, the system of objectifying women and women feeling like this is good for them and this is good for all women and it isn't. Um, I spent four years selling sex and um, like thinking it was a good thing for me to do. Now I, my story's quite long so I'm not going to get into all things but I was raped when I was a teenager and then I was groomed when I was 16, 17 by a man much older than me who used to pay me. Um, And what this did to me was make me feel like I had power, like I had worth, like I was in control. The money did. It was tangible evidence of my self-worth. After I got rid of him, there was a bit of a crossover, but at some point I moved into selling sex on my own terms. I had my own ads. I did everything on my own. Um, And I felt, again, like I was in charge of my sexuality, which is something Megan was talking about a little bit, about um, women's sexuality still being shamed and stigmatized and so on. So I was in this, and this is quite a long time ago, it was over 10 years ago, I was feeling like, I was in my early 20s here, I felt like I was in charge, um, I set the terms and conditions, I set the fee, I decided who I was going to see, um, all of that stuff. But of course, what I wasn't in charge of at all was the actual sexual encounter, because you can't control that. Um, but it gave me this kind of surface level feeling of being um, having power over my sexuality, which had been so damaged and so um, harmed in the in the previous years. It's a really common thing. It's called reenacting trauma. But putting that to one side, um, that's what I'm seeing is still happening with people thinking, well, if I'm getting paid for it, then that's a good thing. Um, but either way. Like, women's sexuality was so repressed for so many years. That's obviously not a good thing. And now it's kind of gone to the other end of the spectrum completely, where it's like, if it's being, if I'm earning all this money and if I'm commodifying it, commercializing it, then that's a good thing. Then that's doing the opposite. But it's actually two sides of the same coin. Like, either way, men are in control. So, Mia, do do, do you, you, you put... um you equate working um, in prostitution or in the sex trade, do you equate that as mm-hmm. the same as working for like an, you know, OnlyFans or, or a similar site? No, I don't because you're not actually having sex with the men if you're working on OnlyFans. 
but it's all the same pool of male entitlement. And the other thing that frustrates me is that all we do is talk about the women. That's all we do. We don't ever focus on the men. Why are men not ringing up, you know, trying to talk to you about their um, love of using OnlyFans? Do you know what I mean? Or why they? Why do they pay for sex? We never, ever hear from the men. Why don't we? Because they're ashamed. Why they're ashamed is because they know it's not okay. Either we're okay with the objectif- sexual objectifying of women or not. We don't get to say, well, it's okay if there's money involved or it's okay if they're earning like thousands of euro and they bought an apartment in Dubai. It's either it's all right as a society to have that as a value or it's not okay. And I'm saying it's not okay. The fact that in in the OnlyFans case and and Megan, that Megan was, you know, very much actually participating and and doing this of her her own free will and, and, you know, she she seemed to be uh, very happy to do it, enjoying it. I mean, she Mm -hmm. talked about the... Mm the empowerment, if you want to call it that, you know that she that she got from it. Like, does it you know does it matter if she if she's if she's enjoying it? No, like go for your life, do what you want, but it's not contributing anything to the kind of um, society we ideally would want to have for women and girls, where it's equal, where we're not being objectified, we're not being seen as pieces of meat, where we're, it's not contributing to men men's sexual entitlement and it must be confusing and it's confusing for young women and it must be confusing for young men because on one hand it's like you're not you're not supposed to sexually objectify women but only fans is fine you can do it there or you can watch porn or you can pay for but sex the, but the women but the, but the women that i suppose that are you know taken like that are involved and are working for for with only fans mm-hmm. they very much want to do that some of them do, some of them don't, some of them are run by pimps. Most of them earn, I think the average is like 200 quid a month or something. Um, most of them are not earning thousands like this. These are tiny, tiny minorities. In the same way in prostitution, we hear a lot from women who are independent escorts. They work for themselves, they earn a lot of money, they're happy doing it, you know, ostensibly. They're in charge of their own time, etc. Fine. The vast, vast majority of women in prostitution and the sex trade, and pornography, all of it, are not there because they want to be there. They're there because they have to be there. And they're not having this wonderful, glorious unravelling of sexuality. Okay, yeah. That just isn't possible when it comes to money anyway. So even when on OnlyFans get pressured by the men to do more and more extreme things, if you're not in a privileged position and you're there because you need the money, you're going to do the more and more extreme things. In case of women on, you know, the cam girl thing, women dying because they've strangled themselves because a man has been putting them under pressure to do that, money that they need it's the same thing just in a different package so when, when we hear stories about you know the vast amount of money that people are making and 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 yeah. in will say i'm just i mean i just know wagon's experience from chatting to her yeah, here yeah, on the show sure, sure. um her experience and you know the the mm-hmm. freedom and the empowerment that it gives her and for her family but but do you think in general the likes of only fans or other sites that that glamorizes yeah. the sex industry Absolutely. Yeah, and it's run by this billionaire pimp, you know, like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, absolutely. And it, again, if we get into the individual stories like Megan's story and everything, it's kind of a distraction from the problem, which is the existence of prostitution, the existence of OnlyFans, the fact that it exists at all. I would love to see prostitution, OnlyFans, pornography, the whole lot just completely shut down. But if we get into conversations about, well, this woman likes it and this woman doesn't and there's this woman on Twitter who says... She loves this regular client. I'm like, okay, great. But it doesn't change the situation, the overall harm of prostitution, mm-hmm. of the sex trade. Do you, th- do you think it'll encourage young other young women to get into the sex trade? Yeah. 
Absolutely, it already is. And they're earning a pittance and they're putting themselves in really vulnerable situations. And these men, as Megan was saying, they're anonymous. She doesn't know who they are. That's highly dangerous. So these young girls are thinking, oh, maybe I could be like that. In the same way, girls might look at porn stars, you know, back in the day when porn is a lot more glamorized and think like I could be, that could be a glamorous life for me or I could earn a load of money or it's, you know, women are told their whole lives are valued in our sexuality. It's in how sexually um, appealing you are to men. So you see these women who represent that and you're like, when you're really young and really vulnerable, you might think I'd like to have that as well. That's where my self-worth is going to come from now. Obviously, you're not consciously thinking like that but that's sort of what could be going on for you and then you go ahead and do this and then you only realize the harm years later you you mentioned mia yourself that you know you were previously involved in the sex trade and and coerced into it is that Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, most most people in prostitution have had theory and previous experiences of sexual abuse most mostly it's Mm -hmm. well documented ptsd you know on a level higher than war veterans um from involvement in prostitution Excuse me. You want to share a little bit of your story, or? Yeah, sure. A man much older than me came into my life when I was about sixteen, and then about a year later, I met him, and then he started paying me, as I said, and that was unexpected. I didn't know that was going to happen. Um, so, um, yeah, and then that carried on for a few years. He met me in hotel rooms all around the city in Dublin and uh, paid me a hundred pounds. And then, um, and then I got into prostitution on my own as I was saying, on my own then. That went on for about four years until eventually I came across a particularly violent punter and um, and then I and then I got out of it then. What happened in that moment, Mia, that then changed things for you? How did you get out? That situation, like, there was a lot of violence. The whole, like, the selling sex or being paid for sex is inherently violent because it's unwanted sex. Your body's being traumatized, whether you're saying, yes, I'll do this for this much money or not. Um, But that was so particularly violent, and I really felt like my life was in threat. When I left, um, my body was really broken, like I was in a lot of pain. And it was like, I couldn't couldn't ignore my body anymore, because the whole process of the four years in prostitution and the three years before that of being abused and so on, which origin, you know, the dissociation which originated from being raped. Like, it was like in that moment, I couldn't dissociate from my body anymore and just ignore it. Um, it was too much. And and that was the turning point where I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. Um, yeah, that was, that, was, that was basically it. And it was a growing awareness of, um, I think, valuing myself more and more as I was, as I was getting older that also helped contribute to that moment. Um, but basically, it was like I couldn't, I couldn't ignore my body anymore. And that's how I finished. It, it wasn't difficult for me to leave the sex trade because I wasn't dependent on it mm. for um, my life, you know, like most women are, or they're being controlled. Um, but psychologically, it was difficult. Well, I was um, just going to was, ask you that. Yeah. I mean, when you talk about, when you talk there about being in pain, I imagine that's a combination of physical and emotional. Yeah, yeah, it was a hard, um, it was a very hard experience where I had to really um, connect with myself and the whole thing about trauma, uh, sexual trauma is that it's disconnecting so you don't have to, you're not, you're not connecting into the pain. Um, so for me, it was like a, in, in a very weird way, it was a blessing in a, in a giant disguise <laughs> because it made me have to connect with myself, I suppose, and realise that 
I did not, I should not be in this situation and, and actually men shouldn't be doing this and this shouldn't be a thing that exists. What is, like, how do you, when you step away from the sex industry or prostitution, how do you recover from that long term? Oh, well, it's, I don't think you ever recover. Trauma is a bit like what it is, yeah. like grief. Like, you lose your worth in yourself, you lose your confidence, you lose uh, healthy self-esteem, you lose... Um, uh, gosh, you lose so much. You lose connection with yourself and others, like safe connection. Um, and all these things sound very vague. You know, it's hard to explain. Um, but recovering is um, allowing the the feelings to, to allow yourself to experience the feelings, I suppose. And that's a very long journey because it's not uh, something anybody wants to do. Um, for me, it was like, because this, I out of prostitution I think it was 2008 and so it's a long time ago and I'm still dealing with it on a daily basis and still I wrote three versions of my book I eventually wrote my memoir that came out last year and I thought okay when that comes out then everybody will know that this happened and I'll be free and um, there'll be no shame around me anymore I won't be feeling that way I won't be so um, depressed but that hasn't happened (laughs) it's like just the same (laughs) as it was before like grief you know you you move with it you carry it with you and some days are harder than others yeah, like any yeah. any loss of a person we love very much you know we have days where we think we see them and then it all comes back and days where we don't even think about them you know but it's always there in the background right it's the same here it's the same it's exactly the same here but mainly where, where I find it hard trusting men and um, not to have uh, secret misogyny or because these men who pay for sex there's you know over 100,000 of them in the country um, many many more I think would use OnlyFans and I would say nearly all of them watch porn it's 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 such a secretive part of their lives that um and the men who pay for sex are like everyday men. You know, they're not monsters. They're not sadists. Well, some of them are. But most of them are everyday average men we all live next to and work next to. And, you know, we just, we do, just like rapists disguise themselves in the world as normal men. And we're all shocked and appalled when we hear things about people we know. And um, it's the same with for men who buy sex. There's just, there's just so, so many of them, over 100,000 of them. Um, and that's what I find very, that's what I find quite difficult. Because I'd like to, I'd like to have a relationship and I'm getting older and I'd like to have a family and stuff, but that's like a major, <laughs> it's a major problem. Because you know, how do you get past that when you're so aware of the depth of humanity, I suppose, you've seen it like face to face. How do you then like trust? Um, the only time I feel um, like I'm okay in the world is if somebody else is right there with me. And of okay. course, you can't sustain that long term, you know, because yeah. you know you can't have people around you the whole time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could go on and on, but it, it's there's a loneliness, I suppose. Yeah, that that comes with Oh my god, the well. loneliness. Yeah, major loneliness, especially with prostitution and um, sex trade related things, because it's such a stigmatized thing, and you are seen as different. I have like relationships have changed massively since my book came out. Many of my relationships are. I don't know if they'll ever be the same. Um, People have disappeared, you know, um, out of my life, and like it's it's a it's a different kind of experience. To I back in I don't know what year it was. I I did a TED talk about being raped, and um, that was fine. And that experience, being public about that, is a different experience. Being public about being involved in prostitution or being sexually exploited, there's a grubbiness to it, you know, and and uh, people 100 um, percent are different around this issue than if 
than around rape, for sure. Than around, in my experience of both. The stigma, you mean? And Yeah, they treat you differently. They they have the various judgments. Um, yeah, they 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 look at the issue in a very different way. So there's like 50,000 times more victim blaming in prostitution. Because it's like, well, you, you put yourself there. Like, you popped yourself in only fans. Who are you to complain about it now? You sold sex. Who are you to complain about it now? You willingly did it. Look, you got your money. Like, um, all this kind of very surface level understanding of something that's that's not surface level at all. Um, and the thing that hurts me is so many women, and I'm, I'm not speaking about your, your your interviewee last week at all, there's no blame or shame for me towards individual women. But what makes me sad in this discussion is that we always, like I've already said to you, we always focus on the women and we don't look at who's driving it, which is men, because these systems are not, the, who benefits from this really? The women are not benefiting from it. And, and by focusing on the women all the time, we lose sight of that and we lose sight of the, the agents of harm, which is the men. It's been really interesting, Mia, to chat to you in the programme today and even just listening to you talking about, I suppose, the you know the stigma that you've experienced and still do. Um, I appreciate you getting in touch with us and sharing your story. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.